Hello guys, welcome to the Redhead Review. I am Conservative Redhead with the Hippie Conservative, and today we are going to be talking about abortion and the history of it and the effects on women and what's going on with AB 2223 in California. Hey guys, it's the Hippie Conservative. I'm so glad to be here with the um, Conservative Redhead, and this is my first podcast, so I'm excited to get started. So... Talking about abortion, abortion came from Margaret Singer. She was known as the one that helped bring it into America, and she's one of the biggest ones as founder of Planned Parenthood. Now, everybody on the left wants to praise her and say she's such a hero for making abortion such a thing and getting it so we had Roe v. Wade and legalized abortion to how they are. But what they failed to understand or to learn or acknowledge, whatever it is, is how racist that she was. They left wants to call the right and conservatives, they want to call us racist, yet they don't exactly understand their history. It goes to prove the point that if you don't know a history, you're doomed to repeat it. Um, so I'm going to read off one of the quotes that she said in her autobiography about um, speaking at the Ku Klux Klan, and I want to know your thoughts on it, all right? So, Margaret Sanger, in ni- she attended um, a KK rally in 1926 in Silver Lake, New Jersey. And she said in her autobiography on page 336 that I accepted an invitation to talk to the woman's branch of the Ku Klux Klan. I saw a door dim figure dim figures parading with banners and illuminated crosses. I was escorted to the platform, was introduced, and began to speak. In the end, through simple illustrations, I believed I have accomplished my purpose. A dozen invitations to speak to similar groups were pro-offered. What do you think about that and what the left says and how they want to talk to us and tell us that we're bad, we're racist, and we're bigots? What's your views on this? So, um... Well, the left, like, wants to say that we're white supremacists, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, how we how we don't, like, support, um, like, black people or people of color. So, I don't understand, like, how, how they don't, like, see this, where it's, where, um, Margaret Sager, she, like, um, went to go speak for the Ku Klux Klan, which are white supremacists, you know? And so I don't, I, I don't understand, like, how they don't see it, like, how, how... And she said it was, um, her, um, that she had accomplished her purpose. So, like, how speaking in front of the Ku Klux Klan, like, the women division of it, like, how, how has she, like, accomplished something? Like, how, that's, like, hypocritical, almost. It is for what the left believes, but in Margaret Sanger, it's not hypocritical of her to say. It's hypocritical of the left to think, because Margaret Sanger... That's not the first racist thing that she said or that she believed. She learned the tactics on how to do abortions from Nazi Germany. She took what they did and did it here to American citizens just because they had different colors. And she wants to compare them to human weeds and they need to be exterminated. But even if it's not just people of color and stuff like that, it was anybody. If you had a mental disorder, if you had a disease of any type, a skin condition... Anything where you weren't 100% healthy, she believed that you should be sterilized and forced to have an abortion. 
Like, there is stories that I have read of Margaret Sanger when they were first doing Planned Parenthood. They would go out there and grab minority women and pull them in that was pregnant and force them to have an abortion, even with them screaming and kicking and begging them not to. They still did it because she believed that they were, that minorities, if they weren't white people, just like the Hitler believe, if they weren't white people, then they were feeble-minded, they were morons, they were this, they weren't the same as us, and she wanted the white race, quote-unquote, to prosper. How is it that we're supposed to be taking all this and supporting all this, but... And we're the racist ones. We're the ones that don't like people. Like, as conservatives, we don't judge you by the color of your skin. We judge you by your morals, your characteristics. It doesn't matter what God gave you in pigments in your skin. It matters on what you do. How many people do you help? And what way with the effects... I know that you're aware you've done a bunch of research and the effects that abortion has had on women. How does any of that help women? Like, it just, it, like, it, like, it still, like, blows my mind how, like, how it's, like, how they believe that abortion is good because they seriously, like, it's not, like, abortion isn't good. It's, um, like, it seriously, um, like, like, in the first uh, trimester, excuse me, um, for example, it uses a vacuum and it brutally pulls out the baby apart and, like, limb by limb, like, they pull off the arms, the legs, you know, and it sucks it away, pretty much, and they pull the baby out, and that's terrible, and then, like, going on, like, and then, like, in the second trimester, it just keeps on getting worse and worse. It and gets then... more brutal. Exactly. The further in that the pregnancy is. Exactly. Like, the one that... Like, all of them are scary. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, they're all heinous and cruel and brutal. But the third trimester is the one that bugs me the most. Like, it all bugs me. Don't, like, it all does. But the fact that they can put a saline solution into the back of the baby's neck, into its spine, and burn it from the inside out. And 24 hours, you come in for an ultrasound. If the baby somehow miraculously survived that, they do it again mm-hmm. until the baby dies. And then they pull it out and is born as a stillbirth. That's, and I feel like it's such a slap in the face to women who can't have babies that they go through all this and everybody's like, well, the baby doesn't feel it. That's wrong. Dr. Ben Carson has came out and told us that he has done surgery on babies in the womb, and they can feel the pain. If you put an ultrasound up to a woman's stomach, and while she's pregnant, and you perform an abortion, you can see in the ultrasound where the baby's pulling away and screaming in pain, and they still go through it, and they want to pat themselves on the back, and somehow they're heroes. Like, it's, it's like they consider it women empowerment, and that's, like, the most terrible thing ever, because... Like, having an abortion, it doesn't just affect the baby, but it affects the mother as well. Like, it causes, like, depression. It can cause, like, the, um, like, guilt. And, um, like, it's just terrible. Higher suicide so. rate. Mm-hmm. It can make it so you can't have a baby because once they pull everything out, like, in the second trimester, they pull the baby apart limb by limb, starting with either the arms or legs, depending on which one they can grab first. And then they crush the head and pull everything out and discard it as waste 
But then, to make sure they didn't leave any pieces of the victim of the baby inside the mother, they take a tool and scrape the whole lining of the uterus. And, like, and so that causes internal bleeding. It can cause death. It can make you sterile. There's so many things, and the more abortions you get, the lower chance that you have on being able to hold a child. Like, and they want to push it on young women, like, oh my god, you need an abortion, you're ruining your life by having a kid, which isn't true. It's not, we need to get away from that mindset, because just because you have an abortion does not make it so you're not a mother. You're just a mother of a dead baby. You know, it's cold truth. And so, they push this ideology on young women, not telling us any of the side effects of it or what can happen after it's just pat on the back good job you did great like i'm proud of you you're helping women it's not helping women and then when the women they're like you know what i'm feeling depressed because i just killed my own child like i'm feeling suicidal they're like oh no you're just letting conservatives brainwash you there's no help while pro-life groups from the time that you're pregnant, if you're like, look, I'm thinking about getting an abortion. Okay, what do you need so you don't get an abortion? Do you need money to help raise a child? Do you need this? Do you need that? Do you need support? Do you need resources? Do you need somebody to talk to? And it will walk you through it, the whole thing. And they're not going to be mad at you that, like, you thought of it because you're coming for help. You don't know what to do. Your back's against a wall, and you don't know what to do, and you're scared. And pro-life groups help you. I've seen... Like, on Instagram, there's this account that I follow, and she raises money for these women. She'll go up there and put a fundraiser of $10,000 and get the money for these women. And they want to say that pro-life groups don't do anything. Like, I understand that foster homes need to be redone. I really do. Because they do. Like, we need more check-ins on it and seeing how the kids are doing and services for the children there. But... And... The left wants to say that if you don't support abortion, you should adopt all kids, and it's better for them to be dead than to experience hardships. I don't know about you, but I'd much rather experience the hardships that I have had in my life than being dead. Exactly. Like, I feel the same exact way. Like, like especially, like, growing up, for an example, like, we've, like, both of us, we went through hardships, and... Like, and now we're pretty much, like, thriving now. Like, yeah. we're, we're in a better place than what we used to be. And and I've, I've known people that are in the foster care and they're, they were, like, um, adopted or even, like, abortion survivors, like, the babies that were and stuff. And they've all came out and, like, they've told me personally because they know my views on things. They're like, thank God that, like, I, like, I would rather be alive than dead. Yeah, like, life's hard on everybody. It's not milk and honey. It's as if Ikea gave you a couch to build, or a dresser or whatever, did not give you the Allen wrench, and did not give you instructions like, you have an hour to build this. It's gonna be hard, and that's life. There's not an instruction manual on this. It's gonna be hard for anybody, no matter where you grow up. I mean, everybody's gonna have hardships of some way. So, it goes with the saying that two wrongs don't make a right. Just because they don't be wronged here doesn't mean that you can wrong them before they're even born and take that chance away. Because what happens, like, if they grow, like, if the baby did survive, the one for abortion, the one that got aborted, what if they, sur- 
Like, if they would have never got the abortion, and they would have went and did something great. How many great people have we lost to abortion that could have had that chance? One-third of our generation is missing. 33%. And if you look at Planned Parenthoods, they're mostly minority neighborhoods. You don't see them in white, ritzy areas. You see them where there's more minorities. Because it's not targeted towards white people. So that's an underlying racist thing that okay like we're not going to put we're don't put it in this area where we know that because it's here more people are don't come to it instead of over here another quote that i want to go through that she wrote to clarence gable in 1939 she said we do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the negro population and minister is the man who can straighten that out idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. She was commenting on a Negro project in a letter to Gable um, on December 10th of 1939. So she knew what she was doing wrong. She sat there and thought about it and knew what she was doing wrong. She knew that people wouldn't like it. She knew that it hurt people. Yet, she still wanted to go from her philosophies. And we have such a brainwashed generation Starting from when she came in the 1930s, 1940s, during World War II and all that, because there's a war going on, and we had women at home, so now you get all these other liberal women that's all like, oh my god, you're working too hard, like, now you have to have a job, you can't have a baby, you can't have somebody that's a misogynist doing this, and so it started raising tensions. And then by the 60s came, we gave the school system to the left. Which, they're still pushing it. How many times in school have you heard a teacher or somebody else tell a girl that was pregnant at high school that she should get an abortion? That she's never going to do anything with her life because she's pregnant. So many times. Because I, right now, is a high school senior. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was, like, um, one time, for example, I was in, like, the nurse's office for something I don't remember what. It was probably to get some Tylenol or, you know, whatever it was. And, um, like, I was just, like, sitting there, you know. And, um, and we were, like, I was sitting there, and this, um, lady, she comes into the nurse's office, you know, and she was visibly, like, um, like, in distress, you know, Mm -hmm. like, she was, like, worried, she was, like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do, you know, and so she goes up to the nurse, and, um, the door closes, but at my school, we have thin walls, so, like, we're able to hear, and the nurse loves to talk really loudly, you know, and so I heard that, you know, um the student that came in she was pregnant and the nurse she was like so are you gonna keep the baby or like what are you gonna do and the student like came and asked for help you know and then instead of like comforting her and stuff and like getting that help she gave her like pamphlets of how to get an abortion how like pretty much a how to do it yourself guide how is that acceptable in school This is one of the biggest reasons why I am in love with Florida's new anti-groomer bill. It's because this school has no place to tell a student to get an abortion to end another life. They have no right to be talking about sex. They have no right to be handing out condoms. Or even, like, when I was in sex ed, they did condom races on bananas. Fifth graders! So, 10, 11-year-olds, they don't get condoms, and whoever can put it on the banana the fastest... What place does any of that have? And it ties in to the abortion culture because now you start kids off 
you know, thinking about sex, because I don't know about you, but when I was fifth grade, I wasn't thinking about sex until I went to sex ed. Like, that wasn't a thought on my head, you know? But now you have them thinking about it, and now they don't tell you different ways to have sex. They don't tell you different parts. They don't, in California, they teach third graders different kinks, hard kinks, like BDSM, bondage, all this stuff. And then we have a high teen pregnancy rate, and they're like, oh, get it aborted. Now you're setting this student up for failure, this child up for failure, because now, like, I don't want to say a baby's a consequence of your actions, but it's an outcome, because if you lay down and have sex, what are you really expecting to happen? I mean, we all know that condoms are, nine, are 98% effective, and birth control is 99%. So they're pretty high, you know, but there's still that risk. So instead of being like, look, there's resources, there's things to help you, like, there's places out there. No, they're not going to do that. Instead, they're going to be like, oh, here's all these different kings. Here's how to have sex. Here's different STDs to recognize. Um, Don't tell your parents about this. Like, if you have sex and get pregnant, don't tell your parents. Come tell us. That's unacceptable. I have never, ever, ever looked at a minor and been like, I want to talk sex to you. That has never been a thought. It's not our place. It's the parents' place to do all that. Now, if they have a bad home life and they do end up pregnant and they come to school like, look, I'm really struggling, I need help with this, okay, be like, look, here's some, like, resources to help you. That's one thing. But to be like, you need an abortion, that's a completely different thing. Like, and then now they're pushing, because they started off with the sex education and they started with the minor stuff. Then they moved up to condom races, and then they moved up to hard kinks and abortion. And now they're talking about different sexualities and pushing these kids. Like, there's this 12-year-old girl in California. Um, we're going to be talking about California a lot today. But in California, there's this 12-year-old girl. She did not want to be transgender. But the school would pull her into secret meetings daily and tell her that oh you should be a boy and convincing her and trying to manipulate her and brainwash her to be transgender but not tell her parents they don't change her name on everything not tell the parents she's getting a name change at school and it drove this poor girl to the point where she attempted three times she attempted suicide three times at 12 years old over this how is that helping anybody that is just setting it up and we all know that with all the stuff that one of the big things that why people decide that they want to be um gay lesbian lgbtq um any of that is a lot of them have went through sexual abuse when they were young um granted there's some people that haven't and they are and that's them as long as they don't try to push on anyone especially kids but a lot of them it's through sexual abuse and a lot of them because like For girls, for example, if as a child you were abused and raped as a child, when you grow up, now you don't be scared of guys, so you don't want to date a guy. You don't want to date a female, you know, because to you that's safe. And dating a guy to you is not safe because of that trauma. So now you don't purposely inflict your traumas onto onto other kids 
that's a blank slate that has never had to go through that. Mm-hmm. So, can I bring back to the, uh, like, the sex ed part, mm-hmm. like, for my story? Of course. So, um, I remember sitting, like, in sex ed class. This was, like, freshman year of high school. And the, um, the lady, she, um, like, she came in, you know, um, and she, I think she worked for a county. I can't, I can't remember. It was kind of, like, long ago. But, um, and she passed out these, um, slips of paper. They're white. And they're like, hello, my name is, and you had to write your name in. And then I, um, specifically remember seeing I, um, my pronouns are, okay, and, and I remember thinking, I was like, and I remember thinking, because this is how I was raised, I was like, I was like, I, I, I had to, like, clarify, I was like, I don't under, like, I don't understand this, like, I'm obviously, like, a female, you know, and so, like, and in freshman year, I was, like, 14, maybe, 15, mm-hmm. so, like, even, like, at 15 years old, I wasn't thinking about sex at all, you know, and, or, like, changing my gender, or, like, you know, like, any of the, like, you know, any of this stuff, so, like, and taking it, um, like, just thinking back on it, like, I was, like, why, and so, like, they're, like, purposely, like, trying to, like, push this agenda that they have on us, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, I don't, I don't under, like, stand it, you know, it's one of the reasons I believe that they're pushing this agenda so hard is because if you can get the kids to believe, then you're golden because they don't grow up and push that same um, values. For And there's a song that I listen to. Um, it's called Brainwashed. And um, there's a set of lyrics in there um, by Tom McDonald. And it says the seven steps to, um, oh, brainwash people. So step one, train the people to only consume. Step two, infiltrate the adults with the news. Step three, indoctrinate the children through the schools and the music and the apps on the phones they use. Step four, separate the right from the left. Step five, separate the white from the black. Step six, separate the rich from the poor. Use religion and equality to separate them more. Step seven, fabricate fabricate a problem made of lies. Step eight, put it on the news every night. Step nine, when people start to fight and divide, take control because this is called situational design. And they bounce back and forth between all the different steps. I mean, they have successfully separated the left from the right. I mean... If you go somewhere wearing a Trump hat, what's going to happen? You're going to get attacked and you're going to get screamed at. So they already have that. Um, the white from the black, look at BLM, Antifa, um, all those groups. They're just separating us. Because if we're too busy fighting with each other, we're not paying attention to what's going on in the government. So now... Um, they don't put in, oh, the rich needs to pay more taxes and this and that... And so with those taxes and stuff, everyone's like, oh, my God, I hate the rich, which is still separating us. But when they say, like, in Florida, um, Disney World has no more special tax privileges, now they're all mad. So it still doesn't make sense because it's the brainwashing. And then so now they're going to fabricate a problem made of lies. So covid um, transgender, um, sex ed in schools, they don't cause all these problems, fabricate them, 
put them on the news every night to make it seem like, look at what they did with the police. They demonized the police. They fabricated a problem. Didn't show a full clip. They fabricated it, which ties into everything else. They keep doing this, and there was a KGB um, experiment that was done that if you show somebody the same piece of information, the same narrative for two weeks, that it doesn't matter what you say afterwards, they're still going to, they're not going to believe you. They don't believe what they were told because they got brainwashed. It takes two weeks. And there's a lot of times you can't uncondition that unless you can start waking people up. Now, the left, they know that um, we want to wake up. So now they're going to be like, oh, you're woke if you believe what we believe. If you are a socialist, you're woke and you're better. Which, woke and being awake is not the same exact things. Because you can be, like, I worked security in a hospital. We had people woke, not in a political way, but came in um, for code blue, so, like, um, need CPR and life-saving things. They could have their eyes open and be looking around, but they're not conscious. They're not going to respond to you. They're not going to feel anything you're doing, but they're woke. They're not awake, but they're conscious. Or not conscious, but they're still woke. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. Because now, with the kids and stuff, with abortion, it plays into that same thing with the hospital thing. Because you have all these innocent kids that you're a teacher. Why wouldn't you believe your teacher? I mean, your parents tell you all the time, like, listen to your teacher, listen to your teacher, and you can't, because now they all have this agenda, and these effects that last on women, there's a lot of women that after abortion, they kill themselves, and it all just ties in. It's this one big thing to keep people fighting, and a belief with this brainwash that you have to be, and is indoctrinated through the schools. Like, even my little brother, um, he got this thing at school where I homeschooled my little brother. And on his math lesson, he had the five keys to be, five keys to obedience. Now, let's read off these five keys, okay? Um, first key, get full instruction. Listen carefully when, when given instructions. Clarify your task by asking, is this what you mean or is this how you want me to do it? Key two. Have a good attitude. Attitude makes a big difference in a way that others respond and in your own enjoyment. Teachers and parents might have more understanding of those who willingly obey than for those who resist or complain. Adjust your attitude and do your best, even when faced with unpleasant assignments. Step three, act immediately. Delayed obedience is not obedience. Delay the, begin the process immediately. The sooner you start, the sooner you can finish. Go the extra mile. True obedience discerns when the authority really wants to go beyond the minimum requirements. Do what you know you should do. Do what you think you can get away with doing. Five, follow the rules. If someone tells you to lie, steal, or compromise your integrity, remember it's never right to do wrong. Make an appeal with a respectful attitude. Now, if this was any other thing, I might have been like, okay, you know. But step three, that delayed obedience is not obedience. What point does the school have to be telling your kid how to be obedient? How is that their place? Especially in math. We are doing box plots. How does obedience have to do with box plots? But they slip these little CRT things in 
and abortions in the CRT. We have been fighting a war for a long time. And it all goes tying. What next are they going to do to our kids? I mean, they're already telling them to that killing an innocent life in a womb is okay because it's not really life. But scientifically, I believe it's life. I mean, scientifically it says that at conception it's life and 13 days it gets a heartbeat. That's life. I mean, how more alive can you be? I mean, and people want to say no because it has to be off the mother and it has to live off the mother. Like, all right, that's your point, right? Here's a counterpoint to that. Somebody in a coma have to be on breathing machines. Do we go and start ripping them apart limb by limb and crush their skull and throw it in a dumpster? No. No. So how can we do that to a defenseless baby and that be okay? And then them being like, well, obedience, remember, no, don't have anybody tell you lie, cheat, or steal because it's never right to do wrong. But yet, they want to teach you how to do wrong. They want to instill doing wrong. Don't tell your parents. This is between us. If you tell your parents, I could get in a lot of trouble. That's not... It's not their place. And actually, that's a groomer technique. I mean, if you paid attention and done the research into groomer behavior we live in arizona we live close to a border so they tell you about all that and what to look out for one of the things that they have always told us in school is if somebody comes up and starts trying to talk to you about sex and tell you not to tell your parents that's a groomer they are grooming you and then they will tell you that and turn right around two seconds later and be like oh don't tell your parents that i don't talk sex to you like It has no place. And then if the kid does go home and tell their parents, now the kid's in trouble. So now we're teaching kids how to be scared of getting in trouble by the teacher and other people. So now they don't be obedient. That's why nowadays people go into the workforce and nobody stands up for themselves. They don't stay at the same job because they're scared to get in trouble. And nobody has a voice. That's why everybody is siding with the Democrats because Democrats is like, it's okay. We'll take care of you. We'll give you this. We'll give you that. We'll give you as many abortions as you need. And nothing. And conservatives, Republicans, they want to, they sit there and they're like, look, stand your ground. Fight. That is American. That, your First Amendment, freedom of speech. That means you stand up for what you believe no matter what happens. But they don't want to teach that because when they teach that, they lose all their power. Um, what is in school or day-to-day life as a teenager, what's one of the biggest things that you hear about on um, the topic of women who, like, that you've known? I know you touched on it a bit uh, earlier. But what is one of the biggest things that keeps you up at night that you have heard from in um, somebody who's had an abortion? It's just like, okay, so, like, I've, I've known, like, multiple friends who, like, engage in sexual activity, which that's, the, you know, that's the, like, you know, that's their, mm-hmm. that's their life, you know. Or, um, and, and I've known, like, women who have gotten abortions and stuff, and I've talked to so many people out of suicide and like I stay up at night like worrying and you know and you know it's scary because like you know they're near and dear to my heart right and and 
and thankfully I have like a few like you know like that some they're like oh no I'm gonna keep the baby I'm gonna raise the baby you know and stuff like that and they're like gonna give the baby a good life or they're gonna fight their hardest to give this baby a good life but I know some they're like yeah I have sex and and they joke like I know they're joking around but like it still like punches me in the gut you know mm-hmm. when they're like oh I'm just gonna abort it it's not that big of a deal it's just a clump of cells and that like drives me insane because like I'm like how how can you say that about something like you know something so innocent you know right that's like with me I mean I was born close to Detroit right my mom didn't know she was pregnant yet but my dad took her to the hospital when she was pregnant because she was having super bad stomach aches right he took her to the hospital immediately they found out she was pregnant right the hospital did so they told her that we were an etopic pregnancy we were stuck in her flapian tubes and started wheeling her down to get an abortion no test and my mom was screaming and crying and begging them to not and they wouldn't listen to her because she was 17 years old so and it didn't take until my dad had to stand up and tell the doctor and all that they did more tests and found out that that wasn't it. It was something else that was small. That had to do with it was just being her first pregnancy and stuff like that. And my, we, my mom did have a high-risk pregnancy with me. So with me hearing how all these people, like, I don't want to be a boy. Like, I'm so happy my mom fought against it, you know. So, hearing all these people say, yeah, it's just a clump of cells, it's okay, like, get an abortion, it hurts. Like, it's a punch in the gut, you know, like, it knocks the wind out of me, because, not by my mom's fault, but that could have been me. And I wouldn't be here, and they're just okay with, and I'll tell the story, and they're like, well, that's different. If your mom really wanted to have an abortion, it would have been okay, and you have to respect her choice. That's like telling somebody, like, oh, if this person wants to murder you, yeah, you should just let them. <laughs> yeah, you should respect that. Yeah, you should respect their decision, because it's their decision, not yours. And the whole my body, my choice, I mean, it's not your body. It's not your choice. You did have a choice. You laid down and you did the act. That was your choice. Now, the outcomes of it... I mean, you couldn't have been expecting a plasma TV after you had sex. I mean, (laughs) black and white, like, you couldn't have been expecting that, you know? And so, hearing all that, it's like, wow. Like, people really think that way. They don't want to listen to it. They don't care about the survivors. They don't care about the people who have had experience with it, negative experiences. They will shun those people because you're not important to the movement. And... In a movement, every voice is important. You listen to everything to find out your research. How can you do good research on something if something shut down? Like, if, like in school with the gun control, like they'll shut down. If you say something, like gun control is wo- women's rights, or women, owning, Second Amendment is women's rights, okay? Right? And gun control violates women's rights because how are we supposed to protect ourselves? I'm 5'2". How am I supposed to protect myself against a six foot three male? I mean, I can't. I can't go stand toe to toe with him, you know? Like, he's bigger than me in every way, you know? And so, like, Sam Colt created the pistol. He made a sequel. God made man, Sam Colt made a sequel. I mean, because it doesn't matter if you have a gun, you can protect yourselves. But they want to frown so negatively on that of you defending yourself and defending the kids in school. 
and stuff. But having armed people on campus, armed security and stuff, they want to look bad on that and not protect the kids and stuff and say that's bad and that causes the mass shootings, which actually if there was armed people on campus, it would stop them. But they want to support killing those kids before they were even born. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's a lot of it and you'll tell them, make it make sense. Like, I will sit here and listen. I will sit there with somebody with a different point of view and listen because that's how you do your research. That's how you gain perspective. You don't have to believe anything that they're saying, but the fact that you're li- that they're telling you and you have that other viewpoint, that's enough, you know. And like, mm-hmm. and like our um, like security on our campus on my on my high school campus, they they don't do anything they drive around in their golf carts you know they pick students up that like that don't want to walk to their classes and they drive them to their classes and they may like escort like a few you know students they may or they may like substitute like a class or something like that you know but they're not armed they're most of them are vastly overweight they can't run to save them lives they're they, like save their lives they can't save anybody else's life because they're not physically fit they're um, like, you know, it's, and so, and so, like, like, me, like, my, my town, it's, re- um, relatively, um, safe, so, like, we, we don't really deal with mass shootings, but, but say, like, we were in, like, a high crime populated area, and, like, my town, we're, there's, like, gangs and stuff, but they don't really mess with, like, you know, the high school, like, setting and stuff, because that's usually, because ours is, because our, um, high school is, like, in the center of town, and the gangs are usually, like, on the outskirts of town, you know? Right. And so, and then they, we don't, they don't really mess with it, but, like, there may be, like, a suspicious person walking on campus or walking near campus, you know, and so we go into complete, um, lockdown, you know? And, but, like, and most of the time, like, people, and we don't, like, take, like, these things seriously, you know? And you just, we don't feel safe at all, you know? Because, like, you, despite, like, being in a safe neighborhood, you know, we just don't... There's nobody there to protect you. Exactly. And you need that protection. You need... I live... When I was in high school, I lived in the third safest city in Arizona. Every year on picture day, we had a bomb threat. We had a few bomb threats a year. Mm-hmm. We had a shooting threat. Like, we've had all these. And you couldn't look at... Like, all... There was, like, one security guard that we were like, okay, like... But he didn't have a gun, you know? There's no way if somebody had a gun that he would have been able to do anything. And so now you expose all of this to the students and stuff and make it so it's not a safe place, but you give them that false hope. Because kids will be like, oh, I'm safe around campus. Like, 90% of mass shootings happen in gun-free zones. Like, and they don't understand just because, like... I remember asking a teacher, um, I actually got kicked out of class for this, but I remember asking a teacher, being like, if shit hits the fan, what is the course of action? What are we going to do? How far out will the police be? How long before somebody calls? And what's going to happen? Why don't we have armed people here? And the teacher literally looked at me and said that guns do not save lives, they take lives. And when I tried to argue that and try to argue the Second Amendment, because there was a government teacher that claimed he knew the Constitution, he read the Constitution, he loved the Constitution, and everything like that, he told me that 
it's not your right to have a gun on campus and that students are safer without that gun and those armed professionals on campus because what if a teacher has a mental illness and can't have a gun? Well, if a teacher has a mental illness and can't have a gun, what are they doing teaching? Exactly. Like, if they are that bad that you cannot trust them with a gun around kids, how can you trust them to teach kids for eight hours a day, 40 hours a week? Exactly. Like, and then, so, I argued that point, and I got kicked out of class. I got sent to the office over it and labeled a threat. Like, and then I was subjected to, um, bag checks and things like that just because of my viewpoint. They shun this and stomp it from when you're a kid to make it make you fear your guns. And going back to the overweight thing, and the 19- you've seen, um, the workout videos from the 1960s high school students, you know? Mm-hmm. And how they were in shape and the physical exertion- that they put, but they were in shape, and so was everybody else. Now, back then in the 60s, you could have a gun on campus. Even when my dad was in school, as long as your gun was in a truck on the rifle rack in the back, you're fine. You could open your door and shells fall out, and you just pick them up and throw them back in your vehicle, you know? But if there was a threat, everybody that had a gun went and sat at all the doors waiting for the mass shooter to come. And that kept them safe. They were all in shape. They could, even like when my dad was a kid, he wasn't in the 60s. But he could, they could still, because they had, still had somewhat of a level of physical, um, oh, appearance that they had to keep up. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, PE class. I mean, how much <laughs> do you, like, I didn't do PE in high school. I was in ROTC, so I got out of PE. I haven't done PE or gym in school since sixth grade, okay? But I've seen these students do PE and walk around the track. I mean, what is that teaching them? Why aren't we teaching people how to care for their bodies and protect themselves? We are creating a society of victims that can justify taking a defenseless life. And that's our society that we're going into. And with that, we're pushing more for socialism. We're pushing more. We're a generation away from losing our rights. We are, if we don't do something, we don't stop abortion. We don't stop the CRT in school. We don't stop all of this. Next generation, our kids, they're not going to have any rights. Like, we're in a fight for our lives. Mm -hmm. So, there is so much that we could sit here and talk for hours and hours on. Yes. But been here for almost 45 minutes. Um, we can do more podcasts if you're interested yes, on definitely. it. Definitely. Um, we can do it for the Redhead Review. Um, have you on more to talk about things, um, especially in high school since you're in high school. We can do a podcast on the CRT you see in school. I know that they say that um, there's no CRT being, CRT being taught in schools, right? Mm-hmm. But... You're in high school. You can see all the CRT going on. Mm -hmm. So the next podcast I do with you, I'd like to sit down and talk about all that. Definitely, definitely. So stay tuned for the next podcast I'll have with the Hippie Conservative. Thank you for coming and talking with me today. of course, of course. And remember to stay tuned for the other podcast for the Redhead Review and blogs by the Redhead Review. And I hope you guys have a great night.
Yeah, uh, well, I want to add something real quick. Um, it was great to be on here again, and I can't wait to be back, so stay tuned. We'll get some more content out. I'm excited. Awesome. It's great to have you. Yes. Good night. Good night, everybody.